Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every Nars? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have one of our one of our favorite guests. You probably know him yeah. from Twitter, somewhere online as Octopus Caveman. We know him as our beloved friend Anthony Peterson. How are you doing this evening? It's good to have you back. I'm awesome, man. I'm so glad to be back. I'm a, a little under the weather, so I apologize for my COVIDy voice. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, I was just saying before we started recording, I've got, I was telling Brent, I, I felt fine yesterday, but as the sun went down, I was like, I got plenty of sleep Saturday night. And then my body was just like shutting down. I was like, God damn it. Why? Like, why am I so tired right now? And then I was like, fine, fuck it. I'll go to bed. So I went to bed and I woke up like every hour or two last night, like congested mouth dry, just like, oh God, this is why I fucking, <laughs> I've got something going on, you know, but I don't. I don't I've been I've been unbelievably under the weather. Today was my first like full eight hour work day. So I'm celebrating with my first beer in over a week and a half. Oh, nice! Well, cheers. It's not bad. The era of pumpkin beer is upon us. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know people make fun of me for my love of Bud Light, but my whole life I've been getting shit for liking pumpkin beer as well. But y'all can fuck yourself. Funny. They make it for a specific group of people, and that's me. And then... I love it. <laughs> I get excited for pumpkin season, dude. Like I'm gonna, I'm like gonna gain twenty pounds, like over the next couple of months between pumpkin lattes and pumpkin muffins. Like I am that white bitch that's just like, it's fucking my time. That basic bitch. Everything. I love pumpkin flavored stuff. That's awesome. I'm not, I'm not wild about the pumpkin flavor, but I do. I love autumn. That like this is my favorite time of year. You know, I, I love the. The weather, the you know, the chill, not too hot, not too cold. I love the leaves turning. I just, and there's well, just Anthony, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. I was gonna ask him, Anthony, do you have apple orchards or like pumpkin patch patch stuff? Yeah, no, no, we have. I have uh, in Ukipe, but maybe the best pumpkin patch of all time. It's got like a, an incredible corn maze, and they it's like the fair. I mean, they have rides, and it's badass. It's very nice. expensive, but it's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, we have, we have a couple of those around here where they have like a corn maze and there's one, it's just like a local pumpkin patch, but they have this big, I don't know what it used to be. It obviously used to be some kind of caterpillar construction machine, right? But they turned it in. It's like this huge dinosaur. It's like this pumpkinzilla 
and they like put pumpkins. Yeah, they put pump. You like you can put pumpkins in its mouth, and it like raises high up in the air and just like crushes them all over the place. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, at at this pumpkin patch, they have like corn guns where you can fire these corn cannons at things, (laughs) and then they have a a huge version where they have these pumpkin cannons. And every year they'll put like a couple of cars out there, so you can just fire pumpkins at these cars. (laughs) Nice. it's pretty badass. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's very expensive, but every year I end up dropping a couple hundred bucks at the pumpkin patch because if there's a pumpkin cannon, how are you gonna not fire it? Right. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and if you yeah. pay if you pay like top dollar, like a few thousand dollars, you can go back at midnight and they put children on the cars and you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the the senator special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's right. It's a George Soros ordeal. Put the kids up on the cars. Hillary Clinton's killing children with a pumpkin can and drinking their blood. Oh, it's Al- Alex Jones joining us once again, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a while. So. I, would, I would say that that's my, maybe my favorite thing about like that theory that Hillary Clinton is like killing children to stay youthful mm-hmm. is whatever she's doing is not working well because she does not look good. She does not look good in 10 years. Right. Like what if that's really it? Like the return on investment for drinking children's blood is not <laughs> it's not doing well for her. Right. Not a great advertisement for for yeah. uh, for ad- adrenochrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine how bad she'd look if she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like Senator Palpatine, like ah <laughs> Shit. What have you been up to, man? Do you want to, I'm curious about your new job. We've kind of chatted about it a little bit, um, but, uh, but I'm curious what that entails and kind of what you're up to now. Yeah, dude, I've, I've been doing uh, uh work out, working on tanker bases. So, you know, the big uh, fire tankers that drop retardant all over, you know, near fires and stuff. I, I got a job working on the tanker base where I'm loading retardant onto the planes and oh wow, dragging a hose all day. And it's, it's cool. I mean, I dig it. Yeah, that's wild. Were you so? Are you not? You, were you looking? Were you working at a law firm before? Was that what you were doing? Yeah, I'm back at the law firm again today. I'm in the office oh, okay. closing it down. So uh, nice. Yeah, I mean, I I did what I could when I was there. Most days it's not very busy. So if anybody's listening from the tanker base world, I'm going to get in trouble. But I was kind of doing my intake calls when it was quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, most days there's not a whole lot of anything going on, but my first assignment out there for 14 days, it was busy nonstop. And I was just dragging hose and, and then after hours trying to keep up with intake calls. Yeah. But it's fun. I like it. It's cool. You hang out with a lot of interesting people, a lot of people that are, you know, lifelong firefighters. And then all the pilots have like weird, interesting stories. I'm sure they're all fascinating dudes. But just being around like those C-130s, these big giant planes and filling them with retardant is fun. It's exhausting when you're super busy because the hoses are heavy and you get covered in retardant all the time. But (laughs) it's it's fun. I mean, I like the work and it pays well. It's hard work, but I've always liked having like a hard physical labor job. This was actually my first office job I ever had prior to prior to that. I always did physical stuff, so I gained a lot of weight working at a law office because I'm used to yeah. getting paid to exercise, kind of. <laughs> like I'll work the hardest job in the world and sweat my ass off moving rocks all day, but I will not go to a fucking gym after work because <laughs> that's my time to like paint and make music, and you know my 
my guitar doesn't run on treadmill power, so I don't need to exercise <laughs> after work. So right, no, it, it was kind of nice to get another little taste of like physical work. But yeah, yeah. You no know, dragon hose about... during the day and yeah. dragon hose at night. <laughs> Fuck yeah, <laughs> dragging my big ass hose around. <laughs> no, I, I liked it though. I like Texas, but Texas is, has got horrifying bugs. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever encountered a wolf spider, but they get as big as tarantulas out in Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they don't get and that big up uh, here, but yeah, we've got them up here for we sure. Have a, they don't get like a tarantula big, though. But they're pretty That's, big. Yeah, no, I, I get them in, uh, I used to get them out in Ukaipa, and they would be like silver dollar size. But out in, in Texas, they're like the size of your hand. They're god awful. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're horrifying. I thought I saw a tarantula. And I like called a bunch of the guys, like, "Holy shit, there's a tarantula!" And they came out, and they're like, "Oh no, that's just a wolf spider. They're all over." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, well, that's horrifying." That's and I read an article. You're never more than five feet away from one when you're in Texas. <laughs> they're not poisonous, yeah. are they? No, no. they're so, just right? spooky no. as shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, in Texas, like, what's the statistic? Like, most people eat like five spiders over the course of the year in their sleep. In Texas, it's just. Over multiple nights, you just eat. You have to munch on the same spider because yeah, it's so it's big. Just, you know? <laughs> I had a joke about that, where I said like the average person eats five spiders in their sleep a year, but an exceptional person like myself can do about twelve. <laughs> 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 what I thought it so funny is like whenever you travel, there is that sort of new bug experience where you're like, oh, I'm in a new biome, and they yeah. have all these new horrifying bugs. Every bug in Texas is aggressive. The crickets will jump right into your face. There's these weird beetles that'll just fly into your mouth. Like they are all full on Texans. Everything you encounter, even these teeny tiny bugs, are just like squaring up and they're just like, "Come on, motherfucker, bring it!" Like they just have this aggressive attitude, you know? They they sound like suicide bomber bugs, like kamikaze bugs, like just fly yeah, right kind up. of. But they're just picking a fight with something bigger than them. They don't give a shit. They're just like, "Bring it on, motherfucker!" Yeah, they got a very Texas attitude. But <laughs> the thing that drove me nuts, I don't want to get too political, but, you know, in Texas, you don't need a license to carry a gun anywhere. You can just carry a machine gun into a Walmart. If that's what makes you feel safe, hell yeah, brother, freedom. Right. But I couldn't buy liquor on a Sunday because, sir, we're a Christian city. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Don't ever give me that freedom shit ever again. <laughs> if you're going to not allow people to buy liquor on a Sunday because of Jesus. Right. You know, like, fuck you. Well, so I want to apologize to you guys because although I have loved this movie for years and years, this was, I think we talked about this before. This was like my go-to smoke weed movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> rewatching this, I was like, boy, I don't, I don't know that I would recommend this movie to everybody. So I don't think it's for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I loved it. I loved it. And I, I, and I want to say, you know, I was trying to think of the movies we've done before. So we did uh, Jacob's Ladder with you, right? And, yeah. and then what, what else? There was another one, wasn't Man, there? We did Jacob's Ladder, Mandy, and then we did uh, Shawshank, just Shaw- because we joked about doing Shawshank. Shawshank, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, any of our listeners, I feel like this episode will be a uh, a pretty com- uh, pretty good companion piece to our Mandy episode for a number of reasons, because we've got Anthony with us, but also this is the same director, right, did both these movies. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think we talked quite a bit about this. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so we're talking about uh, 2012's Beyond the Black Rainbow. And... Okay, well, I'll stop you right there. Yeah. Is it 2010 
2011, and now you said 2012. I've this is the third release date I've heard. Well, I think I think it probably went to festivals and stuff first. Let me see. Okay. Oh, you're right. Oh, I see a 2010 Canadian science fiction horror film. Not that this even matters. I'm no, just, I'm just boggled that you said a third date. You're right. According to IMDb, I've got 2010. Yeah, so it was it premiered at the 2010 Whistler Film Festival, but then it didn't get a wide release until September 11th, 2012. Yeah, and then and then it, it Amazon has it listed as 2011. It was yeah. controversial. It got into that film festival because there's not a single whistling scene in the whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they were thinking about adding one, but they decided it would it would break up the yeah. flow of the movie. So, spoiler alert. Yeah, so it just in in the background of one of the, the way they compromised though in the background of one of the scenes, there's a painting of Whistler's mother. So it was kind of a kind of a compromise. That's right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I but, do think like um, this is like uh, this is a style over substance like art house movie. It is full on a weird art house experience. Yeah. And so like, I, I have a, like my notes for this are bonkers. I was like, I'm going to watch this sober. Cause I've never watched this movie sober. <laughs> and, uh, so I sat down to, to watch it sober and take some notes. And like, I have a solid amount of notes. And then I was like, I need to get high for this movie. Yeah. So <laughs> I decided to smoke some weed. And then at a certain point, halfway down in my notes, I have a note that, I took a break and watched all of Primer. I don't know if you've seen the time <laughs> yeah. travel movie Primer. I love that. I love that movie. That's that's a great time travel movie. That's a really good movie. <laughs> so I watched all of Primer, and then I watched several YouTube videos about Primer, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> and then I woke up, and then my notes start again. Like I don't know. I just got stoned, and then I was like, man, I feel like watching Primer. So I watched Primer, and then got back to this. Um, so yeah, it's, it was quite a ride for me. <laughs> yeah. That, huh. That's a, now I want to watch primer again. Cause I haven't watched that movie in years. That's a dude. It holds up. It's so good. It's a, well, it's such a novel take on time travel as well. You know? Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, as I was watching this, I was like, Oh man, what did I get him into? Cause this is such a, this is a, it's such a drug movie to me. It's such a weird experience. <laughs> It's it's not one of those like you recommend it to everybody type of movies. Right. It's for that particular friend, you know, that's like into <laughs> weird shit or into genre movies. Like it's it's a hard watch. It's a right. weird experience. Yeah. I could not even imagine this movie without the soundtrack. Like oh. all of it comes together. Like you need every yes. element for it to work. And then I think Panos got a little bit better with like Ma- Mandy because all of a sudden it's Panos with the story that makes sense and keeps you captivated. Whereas this is, it's almost like a reboot of THX eleven thirty eight, directed by like 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 a collaboration of Kubrick and John Carpenter. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think I thought, I, I thought of two thousand one, like as far as the pacing of it being slow, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, it's just like a like a blanket of this like trippy imagery and sound that lays over you. But the plot is not great. The plot is is paper thin and not. Yeah, well, and and I, and I almost think it's and I you know it's been years for any kind of psychedelic experience for me. But um, 
I, I've been wanting to watch this movie for a long time and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it. And, and I thought, um, did you watch, yeah. because I, for Panos Cosmatos, I've got my references, this, Mandy, and then did you see the episode of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities that he directed called The Viewing? I did not. I have not seen a single episode of that, but oh. I was aware he had done it. I just, I'm not a big TV guy. I'm a movie nerd. Oh so. yeah. Oh dude, don't, don't even bother. It's a, it's an anthology. You don't, don't watch any of the other episodes. Just watch Panos Cosmatos, the viewing. You'll love it because it's, yeah. and all three of these movies, they have the same kind of like retro eighties feel. And it, I feel in all three movies, even Mandy, like there's kind of a slow burn buildup at first, very atmospheric. Um, but then the end, the end of it, you know, the last third, the act three, or maybe even into act two a little bit, you get some like crazy eighties, like splatter violence a little bit. Um, and I just, I feel like that's his, his aesthetic, you know, um, he's, he's got these themes. Like there, there's a lot of, um, I don't know what's going on in his family life, but you know, there's a lot of themes of like men being horrible to women. Yeah. And then, like everything, at least between Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow, there's these through through lines of like the fallout of the '60s. Like he's reliving the '80s, but oh, through yeah. the lens of it being the fallout of the '60s, where all of these people are, you know, drug casualties. Where like the bikers and Mandy are these drug casualties who did too much LSD. Where like Doctor Nile in this is also he's like an LSD drug casualty. Yeah. And then you have all of this like this like 60s hippie shit that you know even the the commercialism of the 80s is sort of shown as this like like sort of fallout of the hippies where yeah it, it the 80s are shown as like a dark time for him you know it's and and the oppressive media content is in there it's the same as like cheddar goblin and mandy where you know you've got elena watching tv and it's all this like garbage being fed to her oppressively and yeah and, you can tell Panos is is uh, he's got a love for that stuff, but there's also like a dark side to it. It's it's fascinating yeah. to me. It's just a beautiful blending of all of these things I love, where like this these synth beats and like this weird trippy drug culture stuff, but it's not glorified in any way. It's it's always sort of like the nightmare is these human beings and their drug experiences and what it's made them, you know? Yeah. Oh dude. Oh man. I've got so much to say about this. Cause it, cause this is like, and probably the biggest reason I love this movie is because this is very much my shit as far as like, uh, Oh man, I don't even know where I want to start. Well, yeah, okay. it's such a blend of things. I love. It's just a, a, like you put everything I like into a blender yeah. And it's all of these bizarre influences, you know, all the horror and John Carpenter and, and all of that stuff. That's yeah. that's why it's so up my alley, I think. Thematically, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I read that he, he almost did this movie out of a uh, – because I think his mom died of cancer in the 90s. And then when his father died, the film director George Cosmatos, and I think the two, 2005, 2006 somewhere – he was like working through therapy, working through shit. Cause it was really hard on him, the death of his parents. And yeah. I feel like from what I read, it seems like he did this movie almost as a, as a method of like therapy as a way of healing. And he funded it, which I love this. He funded it through DVD residuals of his dad's movie tombstone, which how bad ass is an audio for it as, Oh, he was the director. He, his dad directed tombstone. George Cosmatos. No, no, no. I think this guy though, he did he did like sound editing or something like that. 
Okay, on Tombstone. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no worries. Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah, but I I do like I just because that's one of my favorite movies ever. Like Tombstone is so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so good. But so you know that guy, his dad also directed like Rambo two, First Blood Part two, and Sylvester yes. Stallone in Cobra. So I I read somewhere that Panos was talking about how his his aesthetic is almost a blend of his his father's like popcorn movie aesthetic and then I guess his mom I didn't know this I guess his mom was is a sculptor and he said well I wrote it down I think um but his mom does like haunting experimental art so through those two you kind of that you get the blend of those two in Cosmos uh Panos Cosmatos which I think is great, you know. It's it's weird what a normal guy he was. I I remember watching uh, some interview uh, footage, getting ready to do this, and I thought I'm gonna start claiming my size more than my race, because like, uh-huh. I just love that he's a fat guy, and I'm gonna hold down for fat guy directors. And I really started. This is way off topic, <laughs> but I really started to think about it. I have more in common with a fat Mexican guy than I do a skinny white guy. You know what, what I mean? Yeah. Like fat guys, like that's yeah. more bonding than anything. If I see another fat guy at like a burger place, I'm like, what's up, buddy? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It really is something that's like me and my fellow fat guys, we know what it's like to get out of breath when you're eating, you know? <laughs> like, like we know the experience of like, oh, fuck, I, I got to be in the middle seat on an airplane. Right. Like yeah. there's just, you know, we yeah. know where to powder up in the summertime like we got a lot more in common than i do with a skinny white guy <laughs> well, so, anyway dude, i'm gonna start claiming hard on fat directors because they're my people yeah and uh i'm proud to see the representation continue panos does look a lot like kubrick he's he's got a very kubrick look to yeah panos kubrick just fat guy <laughs> right also also guillermo del toro fat mexican director yep. you know yeah that guy with a beard yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean you put you could play guess who and go like, oh, he's fat with a beard, and there's twelve great directors. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you got Peter Jackson. You got Guillermo. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But no. But to go I, back. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. What were you saying? No, no. I just I, I do I do love um, the common the through lines and the incredible. Uh, visual storytelling and and how trippy he can make you feel just through sound and and video yeah but i don't know i don't know how many people would really dig this this is again this is for a specific group of people yeah not everybody's gonna dig this and i think a lot of people will kind of pretend to like it (laughs) yeah yeah no i might not have watched it without this show without us podcasting about it yeah but i'm glad i did and even though it was slow like i understood that it was supposed to be and it that was fine with me but uh, i mean at the point where like he's he's got the flashback to the 60s and the doctor i forget his name but the doctor says like you're about to go mercurio mercurio arboreal yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's a cool name when that dude fucking says like you're about to go on a journey I immediately knew what was he, what he was talking about. And I was like, this is going to get crazy here in a second. <laughs> and it did. It was amazing. Delivered on the promise. Yeah. There's so many, um, uh, callbacks to various things in like drug culture. Like yeah. the Timothy Leary, uh, tune in, uh, turn on, tune in and drop, drop out. out. That yeah. album starts with Timothy Leary. You're about to go on a journey. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, like, 
you know, these things that you can take with you on the journey and like all those regrets, all that hesitation, you can't take that with you. (laughs) But there's all these weird callbacks to various things in drug culture and in 60s culture, even down to uh, when Dr. Nile goes home for the first time and his wife's like, oh, I left you some brown rice and vegetables in the fridge. Like that's all like that was health food that in the 80s. That was it. Like. That's the shit my grandparents ate because that was what was healthy. You ate right. nothing but brown rice and vegetables. And like, you know, I love the idea that like uh, when he goes home, she's like smoking weed and reading books. And like, she's very much the old version of what Mandy is and Mandy just like yeah. into oh, books yeah. and yeah. into weed. And, you know, yeah. like, yeah, there's just all these through lines of shit you can tell Panos thinks is cool. Fantasy books. Yeah. Weed. <laughs> well, and, and it didn't occur to me till just now, Anthony, but you could almost see his wife as like. I, I, I don't I don't want to use the word successful, but like as a like a good version of a hippie that maybe came out of the hippie area, the hippie era with like, you know, she smokes a little bit of weed, reads her books like whatever. And yeah, he, in and, the same way Mandy is. She smokes some weed, she reads her books, she makes her art. Yeah. They're like productive members of that society, and they aren't the sort of sellouts right. that, like, say, uh, Dr. Dr. Nile is. Where, right. But, I mean, he's a little fucked up, though, from the LSD yeah. badness that went through in his life. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, like, and, and just, like, to, like the, the thing I love about what really sp- the the way Panos Cosmatos really speaks to me through Mandy and now having watched this movie, I feel like watching this movie enhances things about Mandy and having watched Mandy enhances things about this movie. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, there's an early scene in Mandy where Nicolas Cage is listening to the radio and it's a speech from Ronald Reagan and he shuts it off. Oh. Right. And I yeah. remember, I remember in that episode talking about how, that movie's kind of an interesting juxtaposition of of Reagan's moral majority and you know his idea of America being this Christian nation or whatever juxtaposed with this the reality of America which is this like poverty stricken suffering like uh they they support like they're pro life yet they support the death penalty you know certain hypocrisies like that and then again there's a clip of Ronald Reagan in this movie and I really like I have a lot of I, I feel like Panos and I probably have this in common. I have a lot of like anger towards hippie hippies and hippie culture just because like I feel like that was the last hopeful subculture counterculture movement. Right. Was the hippies because there was really this feeling like we can change the world through peace and through love and every movement since then. You know, whether it's the punk movement or the grunge or I mean, I would argue that hip hop is a hopeful movement, but it's 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 hopefulness within this. Like you're recognizing this terrible machine you're in and how can recognizing the oppression? Yeah. Yeah. How can how can we make things as good as possible within this terrible machine that we're in? And I feel like yeah, and I, I think there's something about Panos's movies in particular where. Uh, he almost seems to point out the hypocrisy of all those hippie motherfuckers turning into Gordon Gecko. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Where the people who stay true to who they were, like, you know, Mandy or the Dr. Niles' wife. Right. You know, they're just kind of cool, chill hippie people. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. But the people who sort of 
I don't know. You know, I don't know. That's kind of a stretch with Doctor Doctor Nile. I mean, he's he just seems like he's a he's an a lost cause to LSD. Yeah, like, you know. I I agree, but I do think he's carrying the the work of Doctor Arborium, where it's you know the scene where he's about to go into that black tar substance, whatever it is, and he's like, "Bring back the mother load." You know, their whole goal, yeah. and you know, it stops being about the expansion of human consciousness and a concern for humanity and this like egocentric uh trying to create power yeah yes yeah yeah like capitalizing on it yeah controlling it and having some kind of and i think that's you know because with any movement i think you have probably a small percentage of people who really understand the movement who are really like down for it you know five ten fifteen percent i don't know You've got a majority of people who are like kind of down, but they also like just want to party. They want to go to Woodstock. They want to roll around in the mud, whatever. And then I think you also have like 10, 15% people who are there to like, they're predators there to like prey on it. And, uh, and I think that's what ruins movements. And I think, I think what really bothers Pano or, okay. What really bothers me about the hippie movement. And it seems like Panos has this same beef is it was the last really hopeful counterculture movement and they fucking squandered it on materialism they they accomplished nothing and then you get this blowback in the 80s and i think for myself as well as it seems to be panos reagan is kind of this turning point into this neoliberal trickle down anti-worker corporate cent- corporate centric mode of of governance that have been adopted by both republicans and democrats and if you look everything since the 80s for for people has been on a downward you know uh, profits are up uh productivity is up meanwhile wages and the cost of you know uh, cost of living goes up uh inflation right. goes up but the but wages and what what average people have there's a you know you could take reagan's administration and all that shit goes up. Meanwhile, quality of life and wages go in the opposite direction. And that starts right. at Reagan and continues through today, you know? No. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating. I think, uh, God, whoever plays Barry Nile, I can't remember. Michael, Michael Rogers? Yeah, Michael Rogers. That guy, I don't know why he's not in everything because his performance in this is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was I he... did write down early on before I got stoned. I did write down that I think it's funny that Elena is basically like a non-verbal prisoner, <laughs> but her hair and makeup is always perfect. Like she just looks flawless <laughs> at all times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Michael Rogers, my God, like his. I don't know how you would read this script and go, "This is going to be good," but yeah, he just brought it, dude. Like that guy. I want to see him in more stuff because. Yeah. Him is just like, before he's sort of revealed to be the antagonist, he's just a fascinating character. And then he gets more and more fascinating. And and I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but I feel like there's this sort of through line where, like, Elena is being oppressed and not allowing herself to be, or not being allowed to be who she is. Yeah. They have this weird light cube that's sort of like keeping her powers in check or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the triangle or but, whatever, yeah. Similarly, you have Dr. Nile, who's taking the, the Dr. Benway meds to keep his, like, him. he's trying to keep himself from becoming who he really is. And who he really is 
is a horrible motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, he's allowed to be, he's like allowing himself to just be who he really is, this horrible motherfucker. Yeah. And then she's finally free and allowed to be who she is. But uh, can we talk about the ending? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I agree with you, Anthony. I think there's a lot of interesting, in a lot of his works, I think there are a lot of, you know, Panos Cosmatos, there's interesting, like, systems of control and other people controlling yeah. each other. But I agree with you. I think in this one, there are, there's some interesting, like, people trying to control themselves and repress their own uh, innate nature, you know? Um, but yeah. yeah. And w what I thought the ending represented was really, I could be wrong about this. You've got these people that are trying to oppress each other, but in the end, some shit just happens, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't know if we want to get spoilery or not, oh. but oh, yeah. it seems to me, I don't know if you want to, uh, if you could attribute that to Elena, maybe, yeah. but it seems to me like maybe the, the deal is sometimes shit just happens. <laughs> oh, you know, man. no matter how much thought and how many, you know, how much psychology and new age thought you put into things, sometimes... Mother Nature will just make weird things happen. Yeah. Sometimes you just fall down and crack your head, you know? Right. Damn. Yeah. I like, yeah, Anthony, I, I read that as Elena holding his feet down and causing that to happen. But I also, I really like that read on it too, though. I really, I really I don't, do. I don't think it would have been funny to her had it been something she did. It would have been like, oh, good. I've. But it's funny to her because it is just like, oh, yeah, oh, that's... sometimes... That's interesting. And this whole thing about people fighting their nature. He's been fighting his nature by taking these medications. They've been fighting her nature by keeping her in this box. And at the end of the day, nature is the the hero of the day. It's just like, whoops. Yeah. You fell oh, and man. you died. I, I really like that read because I do like because yeah. that that kind of fits in with my philosophy on things, which is like shit happens. You can't really control anything. Right. Right. Um, and that also goes to sort of it. it's a reality that betrays the ideals of uh, Arborea and all of the doctors there. You know, they're trying to master reality and master their nature. Yeah. And the reality is no matter what you do, you can't overcome real nature. Sometimes stuff is just going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you and guys see the after credits sequence? I did. Yeah. But Not until after I saw a YouTube video about it. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. So I mentioned <laughs> it and I was like, oh, we're Sam Jackson shows up and he asks Elena if she wants to be part of the Black Rainbow Society. Or yeah, yes. yeah, and, she, and then yeah. she's going to be in yeah. the next Avengers movie. Yeah, <laughs> as the superhero Black That's Rainbow. Great. Yeah, That's her, her and Nicholas Cage from Mandy fighting evil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, sign me. Take my money now. I'll watch the shit. I out would of that. watch that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did. I did think. Oh, no, go ahead, no. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say another read on her laughter, which I think fits into either scenario, whatever, whatever the ending means to whoever or was intended to mean. I also read it as she's laughing at this guy because her whole life she's been imprisoned. Right. And he's been he has been the method of control over her life. He's had complete control over her. And then at the end, flaunting his power, just being a dick about yeah, it. The whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there's even that monologue where he's like, dude, my power comes from my confidence and my blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And and so he's this like mon like he's this I don't, totemic figure to her of immense power. And then at the end, he like trips and bangs his head on a rock. I almost felt like that laughter was this cathartic, like, 
oh, look at you. You're just a fucking stupid man who bashed his head out on the rock, you fucking idiot. Like, you're, yeah. you, well, and this, and, and it kind of harkens back to what he said to his wife before he killed her, where he was like, you're nothing. You mean nothing, right? When he killed his wife. And I almost feel like in that moment when he fell and cracked his skull, that was Elena's realization that like, oh, you're nothing. You're nothing at all. You fell down and now you're gone. You're nothing, you know? Like, yeah. God, I mean, I really, uh, you have to look at him as a person who really, he only uh, desires power. And I think he almost, um, you know, I don't know if he's jealous of Elena's power or if he just liked the power he had over her. Uh, yeah, I think, I think both, yeah. Powerful. But yeah. he is just this depiction of this corrupted ideal of the 60s where he started going down these rabbit holes, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't for any enlightenment. It was just. Well, sorry, I'm getting a lot of. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Was that you, Brent? Oh, sorry. I haven't said anything. Oh, sorry. No, I, was... I did, We just heard a lot of. It sounded like like something scraping on a mic or something. Sorry, I was just transforming into an Autobot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 I don't know if I've told that's you guys right, this, that's, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm I'm actually a Decepticon. Welcome to I was the, hell, the third circle of hell. <laughs> I was the youngest of three brothers, and my two older brothers refused to allow me to play Transformers with them because they said, well, you have to be able to transform the toy in the amount of time it takes to make the noise. Oh, so they go, so I'd be like, okay, ready, go. And they go, and if I didn't have it transformed by then, they'd be like, see, you're too young. You can't play with us. Oh, my God. Dude, <laughs> your, 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 brothers, yeah, so. your brothers were like little petty tyrant versions of Dr. Nile. Like, exerting... They were, yeah. So I was like, fuck Transformers. I don't want to play with Transformers anyway. And then I'd go play with my G.I. Joe's. Uh, they never really quite got the arms right either. Like they would kind of like fold in, but then be like wobbly. Yeah. Fuck a transformer. That's a, <laughs> it's a fucking a dumb toy. Fucking transformer. Oh, by the way, speaking of toys, in this movie, when he gets the phone call, I heard a piece of trivia off a YouTube video of when he gets that weird phone call where the phone's not even plugged in, but he hears all this weird weird shit. Yeah. It's this. It's a. It's a. It's a toy commercial from 1979. That's like a robot. Oh, really? A robot with like a laser that's going like pew, pew, pew. And that's some of the, the sound effects you hear, but it's played backwards. That's See, weird. I wonder that's, that's more the, the, like, there's a little bit of, um, you know, as much of as I think there's critiques of the 80s and the culture in Panos and stuff, there is some reverence for stuff, like oh. with the Cheddar Goblin and Mandy and maybe throwing in that toy thing. Maybe it's, yeah. you know, there is like. You can't help but love some of that consumerism no. shit. Like, oh, and these '80s I, toys were great, and part of that culture was really fun for kids. But <laughs> the reality of it is, it's all kind of this corrupted consumerism from this <laughs> dude. And and yeah, I totally agree. And and nobody loves uh, you know a Marvel movie more than me. Like I I totally get that. Like '80s consu- like making cartoons so you can sell toys, Ghostbusters, He Man, like. I was all about that shit and I'll still eat that shit up, you know? Yeah. 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 But it's great. Yeah. I don't, I don't regret being a victim of consumerism in the nineties. I think it, 
I think some of that stuff was actually like cool. Like I think that they actually did something cool. <laughs> well, it's I mean, like and, and Ninja Turtles just to sell toys. They created a cartoon. Yeah, okay, I fell for it. But I mean, I was like, what, like a ten, like maybe well, earlier than that nine. Well, and not, like not only as the consumer, but that's a weird spot to be put in. Like that's the whole. I mean, the thing about being an artist and a creator right now is it's this weird, you know, because like if one of us got. If, if you were going to pay me however many thousands of dollars to write a Marvel movie, like, I would sign up, I would write the fuck out of it, and it would adhere to, like, my worldview, but it would also have to fit into this, like, big Disney machine, and I feel like you, a lot of, especially mainstream, but not just mainstream, I feel like a lot of art nowadays is this, like, weird hybrid of, like, having to fit into this, like, mainstream mode, you know, but it's... But it's like people like us who, you know, maybe don't fully embrace that kind of uh, sensibility. I put a lot of I put a lot of thought into this because I think there was this this uh, sort of thought that nowadays is the best time to be a creative individual because it's easier than ever to not only create art but get it out there into the world. Mm-hmm. But I would argue it's harder than ever now for anybody to give a shit about what you put out into the world. So, yeah, right. I could get a camera, I could get a dozen friends, and I could go out to the desert and shoot a movie, edit it for free with free Apple software, and release it. But who gives good luck a shit? getting any eyeballs on it. Yeah, exactly. Who gives a shit? Right. All anybody cares about is this studio shit. And so I still think the 90s were really the pinnacle because they were going after dudes like what's his name, uh, Troy, the uh, the Boondock Saints guy, just a bartender with an idea for a movie. Oh, and they yeah. gave him $100 yeah. million dollars to make a movie. Like, it, that was still the, the heyday for all right. these. Yeah. Oh, dude, I saw somebody... Forgot I, about I, I forgot if it was a... Yeah, Troy Duffy or whatever, which if anybody Troy hasn't Duffy, seen that it. documentary, that documentary is worth watching. That shit is wild. I saw that, so, yeah, that was good. Yeah, but... But no, somebody was like, uh, I think it was a tweet I saw recently. Somebody was like, uh, they saw the Matrix. The Matrix said that 1999 was the pinnacle of human civilization. And they were like, okay, yeah, that's not going to age well. But then the last like 24 years happened and they're like, oh shit. Well, you know what? All right. Like maybe, maybe the machines had a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. It was pretty great. I mean, I don't want to be the old guy going like, oh, when I was a teenager, it was the best time. Right. But it was a pretty good time. I I was yeah. pretty fun. Like, I enjoyed my teenage years. You know, my teenage years, my early 20s, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Well, one thing I did want to say about that. Uh, oh, you were talking about the actor's performance. He kind of, I kind of got Christian Bale vibes, especially from like American yeah. Psycho. Did you yeah. feel that at all? Patrick Bateman. Yeah. I didn't think about that until just now, but hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick it. It's yeah. just like it, um, um, in American Psycho when he's covered in blood. Looks so similar to when he has the acid trip and he's like in the mud or the yeah. ink or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I always yeah. refer to when he shaves himself bald as when he goes full Frank Reynolds, you know? Yeah, he's just greased up coming out of the couch instead yeah. of the. <laughs> truly horrifying sequence though like it, it's stuff like that that i think really elevates this movie where it, you've got it this movie is for like the artist in your life or yeah. the person you know can appreciate a slow burn or the stoner in your life you know 
Like, it's not for everybody. It's not for any movie fan. It's got to be for that particular type of person who you know will appreciate a slow-ass burn with great performances and just a lot of, like, it's just an experience. It's a movie that needs to be experienced. And I think that's what makes it great instead of just just good is that it's, you know, I don't know. You watch The Big Lebowski. It's a great movie. It's a fun watch. Anybody can enjoy that movie. Yeah. But you're not going to, I don't know that you're going to really feel or go through anything the way you will with this where this is similar to a drug experience it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna carry you through some yeah. dark places and yeah. some weird weird areas and you're gonna come out on the other side with some kind of weird realization <laughs> and in our cases it, it seems like it was very similar these thoughts about the 80s and the 60s and how they relate and you know these uh yeah. new age kind of ideals and how they got corrupted oh yeah oh dude and thank you for saying that too because that's like this new age I think there's a direct line from all the shit I was talking about, about like the the burnout of the 60s hippies to their corporatization in the 80s to I think there's a straight line to the people, you know, like the the white dudes with dreads now and the, you know, the girls who have like crystals yeah. and this whole new age movement. I think I think again, I think Panos and I share a similar disdain for this like. You know, the kind of person who can be like, oh, yeah, love, you know, free love, whatever. And then, like, also, that's why I support Trump, because he's anti-establishment. And it's like... You're talking about my mom, dude. My mom, I grew up in those, like, black magic shops doing past life regressions with her. Really? And she would have crystals and incense, and she'd do <laughs> rituals and all this saging yeah. the house. She was a very... Uh, new age kind of healery, you know, product of the 60s. Yeah. So I grew up in the 80s going to all these cool places that smelled like patchouli. <laughs> and yeah, she's a, she's a big Trump person. And yeah. I can't Weird. make that make sense, but I think it is kind of this like he's anti-establishment, he's blah, blah, he's all these things that he's not. Yeah. Well, and, and well, I think... Right I because there's this part about Trump that's like, well, there's two parts of Trump, I think. And it is like, his like businessman, like political side and then there's like a magic side of him well the magic side of him is what where that conspiracy theory stuff occurs and people apply like meaning to things that he says that i don't think is real maybe he's maybe he's privy to this maybe he is sending a message but i don't think so i i think sometimes he is and sometimes he's not but he's he's willing to let it ride as long as it gets him supporters you know um Yeah, and, and I feel think... people writing writing speeches and stuff for you, like surely, like they've caught on to that, and they're like, "Yeah, this could be taken two ways." Yeah, it could be the well, politic Trump or magic Trump. Yeah, and it's and 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 you know, it's using that whole like anti-establishment, like Trump is obviously a member of the establishment, uh, a wealthy billionaire who is you know, linked to multiple corporations, multiple countries, oligarchs around the world. And he's like working on behalf of the wealthy elite of the world. Right. But he's able to spout this anti-establishment rhetoric to where people who maybe don't care to think about it too deeply, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, fuck the government. I hate the, I hate the government. Trump hates the government. I, you know, we hate the government, you know, and right. it's just, and it's no deeper than that, you know, it's just, and, and, and you get, you know, you get Democrats, not only Democrat, but Democrats, but like these establishment, as I said, like from the eighties, you have 
Republicans and Democrats walking hand in hand in this neoliberal, anti-worker, pro-corporate march. And then Trump comes along like doing his own thing. Really, his whole thing is about personal profit. Fuck every he doesn't care about it. So he I mean, he is anti-establishment to a degree, but yeah. you get the you get these like new agey, uh, you know, new age hippies. And they're like, oh, yeah, Republican, you know, establishment Dems and Republicans hate Trump. I'm pro Trump. And like I I get it, it to a degree. It makes sense if you don't think about it very deeply. You know what I mean? Like, right. I will say it, it was interesting the last, you know, couple of months spending a lot of time in Texas. And like, uh, I will say, I mean, there's a lot of like Trump supporters out there in the world that I really like and enjoy. And I think they're fucking good people. Yeah. They just maybe I, I disagree with them politically, but it does make me realize how there's a number of people who live in an online bubble where they would call these people that I was working with or hanging out with motherfuckers just because of who they supported. But after work, we'd go back and like have beers on the hotel porch and just argue about shit and have a great time disagreeing with each other. And then the next day go to work together. Like the, the real world is very different place than social media where you can have your opinions and just like dudes are still dudes. We're still going to have a good time together and fucking there was a lot of people with a lot of different viewpoints all hanging out together, having beers, having dinner together, talking shit. They make fun of me for drinking my Bud Light and they <laughs> all call it tranny fluid. So, yeah. I, you know, I would push back on stuff, which you must do as a man in order to get any kind of respect. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was I also like, drink pumpkin beer, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the the thing that blew their mind that I got the most the sophisticated about, flavor of the fall <laughs> season. You know, the thing that I probably shouldn't have said. I said, like, you know, I basically, if I can get a boner, I'm going to play ball. And they were like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "I don't know. Like, I've only slept with women, but if I met a dude that gave me a boner, I'm going to do what my dick says." And they were like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "Hey, man. I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm open to it. If it happens, if I get a boner, I mean, I don't give a shit. Like, that's my body telling me I'm into that. So, I mean, if it happens, like, so I got endless amounts of shit for that. But um, again, you know, I think being honest with who you are, you know, so far historically, yeah. my penis has proven to be straight. But you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, I may, I may find a beautiful man, and if that happens, my penis tells me it's time to go. I'm going to go. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen some very attractive trans women who. Are yeah. very beautiful women, you know. <laughs> right, I think that's how it started. Like, like they were giving me shit about Bud Light. And I'm like, I'm not getting involved. In, like, you're a dork for hassling me about what beer I drink. <laughs> like, I'm not getting involved in your culture wars boycotts or your stupid shit. It's right. lame as fuck to care what anybody likes beer wise. <laughs> right. well, yeah, no, and that's I have awesome. like you know, and I know, and I do, I agree that social media is. I think we talked about this on the last episode, maybe, but I, th I think it's, it's so, you know, for one thing, I think it's like, well, I don't know. I have a lot of problems with social media, but I do think that, um, it's easy to end up in arguments with people on there. Um, you know, when it's, there's no, when you're not face to face. Um, but one thing I have experienced face to face, whether it's like coworkers or I have families who, family members who aren't necessarily Trump supporters. But when it comes down to that socialist, communist Biden and Trump, they're going to vote Trump. Um, 
And yeah, they're, no. they're doing their own lesser of two evils. The yeah. same way we all did when we all got behind Biden. Absolutely. When we knew he was this old, decrepit piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, like I, you know, I'm not. I don't have much to say about that. No, like, he is. Okay, yeah, he, yeah, like, he's an old decrepit piece of shit. Yeah, nobody's gonna argue with you there. But but I'm definitely right. gonna vote for him next like, election. My idea yeah. was like, even even my thought was like, even if he cheated, even if Trump is correct, I'm fucking happy. He- <laughs> He pulled in these, like, old-school politicians, oh, boy. like, dirty know. tricks to, like, rig the election. Like, fuck Trump. Like, like I hope he... That, I don't... I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't go that far, because I think I, if there is any kind of, like, like election interference, we should figure that out. And that's, just, unfortunately, there hasn't been any evidence of that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De- yeah, democracy is pretty important, but... Yeah, there's been... Yeah, like you said, there's been no elect, no evidence of that, but... But anyway, right. so all, all that is to say, like, I've I've... You know, I talk to people who have voted for Trump and, and yeah, it's easy to get along with them. And but in always in the back of my mind, I'm like, yes, we're having a fun conversation. We're drinking a beer, whatever. However, I'm also a straight white guy who their politics pose no threat to me as far as like, will I be able like, will I not be able to get an abortion because of their politics? No. You know, the bathroom that I go to, is that going to be like, am I going to be? No, that's no threat. Like. It, so it's kind of like, I agree with you that it's easy to like, you can hang out with those people, have a beer with or whatever, but, but I'm always like, I'm always like, yeah, I can do that. But also like part of that's because of who I am too. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, but you have to push back on the things that, that you think are important. So I push back a lot about, I mean, I got a lot of, sh- people knew I worked at a law firm. So I got a lot of stuff about like hypotheticals about trans people and all this and like. Yeah, California law just says you can't be a dick to trans people while you're at work. If you right. want to be a dick to them outside of work, I mean, feel free, I guess, but it seems like a waste of time. Like, it seems like not a cool <laughs> thing to do. So I, I had a lot of conversations like that. A lot of Second Amendment arguments as well. I got through. I got to do a lot of that with folks because almost nobody I uh, I work. Everybody I worked with owns guns and. So I was like, well, I don't know. A lot of interesting arguments. And, and I found that I was ill-equipped to enter those arguments where I was like, well, maybe we should ban assault weapons. And they go, well, what what counts as an assault weapon? Yeah. I don't know. That's a great question. What does count as an assault weapon? Yeah. Do no. you own a gun, Anthony? I don't own a gun. I, I could never because uh, I have uh, depression on occasion, so I don't trust myself to own a gun. Yeah. If I did oh, wait, own a are gun, you not would... allowed to own one either? I think I could. I'm not a felon or anything. I've been, <laughs> I've done time in uh, uh, mental hospitals. Two countries. Well, no, mental hospitals. <laughs> no, I've been to jail, but jail doesn't keep you from owning a gun. Only going okay. being a felon. So I think I could legally own a gun. I don't yeah. think it would be a smart idea for me to own a gun. Yeah. Which, so interestingly I enough, I think, I think, I think we talked about this on our last episode too. About that, similar to why I don't own a gun, Anthony. I think there's there's a lot of like, um, you know, self harm statistics go way up, accidental yeah. injury statistics go way up, and then so you're really just left with, um, what are the odds that if somebody does come into my house like looking to do me harm, that this will be that I'll be able to protect myself with this versus it'll exacerbate the situation and they'll either hurt me with their gun or take my own gun from me and use it on me. And I'm just, I'm not sold that there's a net benefit of safety there, you know? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pro hunting, and yeah. I and I could picture myself owning a gun for hunting purposes, but I think that would be the type of thing I I'd leave with a friend. Yeah, you know, I have friends it's all that have like guns Hillary Clinton and, and eating yeah. rabies. There's a, yeah. a bit of diminishing returns and all that, you know, brother. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I mean, I'm pro. I'm pro hunting. I'm all about that. I mean, it, I have uh, uh, friends, families that they basically kill two deer a year, and that's the meat they eat. They don't go out to eat other than that. I'm like, well, that seems like a great way to live your life. Yeah. Well, and, the, and my my dad had a deal with because he worked at a factory, and he had a deal with anybody. He wasn't a hunter himself, but he had a deer jerky recipe from his father, my grandfather. Um, so he had a deal with anybody who worked with him at the factory. If they killed a deer, they would bring it to him and he would, he would make deer jerky out of the meat. And the deal was he got to keep half of it. So he would keep half of the deer and he would give half of the deer back. And so like, we always had the most delicious deer jerky uh, especially over the winter. It was fantastic. <laughs> so he got half a deer just for providing the recipe? That's a good fucking deal. It's a good, That's amazing. It is. It is recipe. It is. Yeah. A, a, it was delicious, and B, it was pretty time-intensive to, like, marinate the deer, and then you put these little, you have these little strips of deer, and you put a toothpick in the top of them, and then you have to, like, hang them in the oven to dry, and you have to do multiple... Uh, I'm, I guarantee you I know this recipe too it involved like either molasses or brown sugar liquid garlic smoke. powder liquid smoke paprika probably a lot of, like, lot of Worcestershire you know, sauce this, I know just, wait can you get this recipe I have it I have it somewhere can we, can we, can we have it I'd have to I'd, yeah I'll have to dig it up but yeah <laughs> yeah I need to get me a half a deer just for passing out this recipe this is a fucking life hack and a half want all the free deer meat <laughs> You see a homeless guy next time, and he's like, "Hungry, please help." Just hand him this recipe. They're like, "Trust me." Bro. Yeah, man, your dad, your dad's like fucking like 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 school. I don't. He he scammed these people. He spent like what ten dollars. He spent ten dollars at Kroger and got half a deer. That's yeah, amazing. I mean, you also have to take the time to like do it. But yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. So I lost track. We went way the fuck off. No, base, you're fine. But, uh, you know, an, another thing I wanted to mention. I was gonna bring. Us. I was gonna bring this up yeah. last week because we did an episode on Naked Lunch. Have you seen that movie, Anthony? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I own the Criterion Collection. I okay. love that. Movie. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, we did we did Naked Lunch last week, and I didn't <laughs> I didn't get to mention it, but I wanted to mention Peter Peter Weller is in the viewing the episode of the uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. So he's in that, um, you know, that thing that Panos Cosmatos directed. Um, Peter Weller, big fan of Octopus Caveman's art. Oh, is he? Peter Weller? No shit, dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, him and Mike May are friends. So Mike had a Really? Watch, watch uh, the documentary. So. That's oh, fucking... Nice. Pe- dude. Peter Weller's the shit. That's awesome. Yeah, He's and the guy hero. has has a has a degree in like art history, so well, pretty cool great. that he's a fan of the old OC's love box. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what and, pretty and, awesome. Yeah, so there were so many connections, like with with Peter Weller in this movie, and 
Uh, also, Panos Cosmatos said that he was a fan of uh, William S. Burroughs, right, who wrote Naked Lunch. So that was another tie-in. I felt like I had a couple more, but the, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, the the medication that Doctor Niles, uh, Doctor Nile takes is Benway. Uh, Doctor Doc, ben, Benway. Yeah. Doctor Benway. That's right. Yeah, that was another yeah, one. Yeah. And then at the very end of the movie, when you have that that shows the little action figure, right before that, there's a quote: "No matter where you go, there you are." Quote Buckaroo by Bonsai. B. Bonsai. Yeah, Bonsai. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Where this fucking Peter Weller of everything I love. Where we've got the Buckaroo Bonsai quote thrown in there. And yeah, it's just <laughs> Panos is clearly a dude we could get along with, and he'd probably have the same reference points and a lot of interesting ideas on those. I I think so. Yeah, <laughs> but I do think that Mandy is an evolution for him because, like I said, Mandy is yeah. a movie I could recommend to any anybody. Yeah, and they could sit and follow the plot and enjoy the movie, and then it also has these artistic layers where this movie is a little bit more style over substance, mm-hmm. but I still like it. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, you definitely. I uh, please watch that episode of Cabinet of Curiosities. Let me know what you think. I didn't know that was a show until I was reading stuff about Panos for this. And I thought, oh, man, I've got to watch a show. I'll bet it's cool. An anthology series by Guillermo has got to be amazing. It's it's I, I like a lot of the episodes. I think they're all pretty good. Um, but if nothing else, at least watch this one episode. So. Well, and, and Panos has a new movie coming out. So I'm stoked about that. Yeah. What? Oh, what what's the name of it? Sculpt- Necro something. Necro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Necro. What is it? Oh, where you Necro- at? Pan- Necro. Oh, Necrocosm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Next episode, we're talking about 1996's From Dusk Till Dawn. So be sure to check that out. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at Headcanon Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash Horror Movie Pod. Well, do y'all have a headcanon you want to start with, or you want me to go first? Doesn't matter to me. I I think this one is going to be tremendously difficult to come up with a headcanon with, because I think it's intentionally, like, uh, difficult. And then I think that there's only a couple of them that it can really point to with that end credit scene in the, uh, the you know, Sentinot? Was that what the, that was? Yeah, the sen- yeah, I think so. Sentionot? Yeah, Sentinot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like that toy really only leads you to a few things, which is that this is experience in the imagination of somebody involved in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you do you have a do you have a headcanon for that? Do you have a thought on that? I have nothing. I'm nothing. Just curious okay. What you guys have to say? Yeah. No, I don't know. Let's again, get... I just let this shit wash over me, and I go, "That was a weird experience." I I think this is a tough. A tough movie to try and ascribe more meaning yeah. uh, in that way, too. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, so I I don't have an idea about the Sintionaut as far as, like, that the action figure at the very end, what that means. Whether this is all just Dr. Niles, like, him just playing action figures, I have no idea. Um, but I did what I did think of was that as Elena is escaping, she comes across that other mutant who's, like, uh, like a zombie almost. He's like, rah, rah. he's like crawling after her and she like shuts the door yeah. or the glass and barely escapes. And then she comes across that. And the thing is licking the glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, like oh. if my butthole was near that, that would be kind of cool. 
Yeah, little Pinot Gris. Yeah, well, what do you think? What do you think Dr. Niles has been doing for the last 30 years? Which, oh, which I do want to point out how weird is it that they've been doing this for apparently, I don't know, 18 years, however old Elena is. And then at the exact same time, it all came together where he, like, has this mental breakdown and becomes his true self. And also, she escapes at the same time, you know? After 18. We know, we know how long it's been because the video in the beginning of the movie, uh, the uh, copyright says 66. 66, right, yeah. And then this takes place in 83, right? Yeah, so she's 17. She's underage. Yeah, 17. She's, she's right at the perfect age for Jeremiah Sands to yeah. come rolling up. <laughs> yeah. And introduce her, like, invite her to a little kickback. A little, a little cult action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he would love it. Uh, <laughs> but so my headcanon is that the uh, that mutant or whatever, you know, Elena escapes from him and then she runs into that sentionaut, sentinot, whatever, who takes off its mask and it's just this other weird, like, pale white mutant behind the mask. And so Elena gets past that mutant too. She escapes. But then the sentinot, like, goes and lets the mutant out of his... his uh, little prison his tiny room that he's in and they end up they leave together and my headcanon is they live a long happy life they go you know (laughs) he's just a great guy he's He's just yeah he's so chill yeah the synthonaut helps like bring him back to himself they really bring out the best in each other they become people again and they just live a long happy life I do love the idea of her leaving there and getting picked up by Jeremiah Sands RV though that's yeah no, wow, that'd be perfect. <laughs> That's the sequel slash prequel we didn't know we needed to bridge the Black Rainbow and uh, and and Mandy. Yeah, the Cosmodoverse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, Brent, do you have a headcanon or not? All right, fresh off the presses. Oh shit! So mine's about Barry. Uh huh. At the very end. Instead of killing the metalheads, Barry actually abducts the metalheads and he feeds them massive amounts of LSD. They achieve they achieve a psych, they, they achieve psychic uh, abilities, but Barry is is thwarted when they use their powers to mix flame retardants with menthol cigarettes. People people are changed consciously. They yuppie out. They yuppie out. A new religion emerges. When a woman gives birth to the Cheddar Goblin, and the yuppies crucify it on two twenty-four packs of Bud Light. <laughs> oh shit! I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I want to see that movie too. <laughs> in a weird way, I feel like you took everything we mentioned and put it in a blender. The same way Panos put all of the things I love from the eighties into a blender. It was a perfect call callback. It was Anthony Peterson Mad Libs. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, perfect storm of callbacks. Just <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, I will let you get going. I'm starting to get the nighttime congestion is starting to build oh, up again. So yeah. is, is there, uh, Anthony, anything you want to plug or leave people with, point people toward before we get out of here? No, uh, that's, you know, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. And happy to talk to you, you guys again. It's always yeah. a pleasure being on the show. Likewise, yeah, feel the same. Man. All right, we always usually we talk about what we're going to talk about the next one, but we never really. Yeah. 
Yeah. Are we just doing Tombstone next time? Oh, I, I would love, I would love to do Tombstone. <laughs> I, All right, that's the next one we're going to do. I love I that movie so much. We keep doing non-horror things when I come on, so Tombstone's perfect. Oh, wait, right. didn't, we did Pig. Didn't we also do Pig? Oh, we did yeah. Pig as well, yes. Yeah, we forgot about that. <laughs> we forgot about that. What is this? Your, this is like your fifth or sixth episode or something. I'm... Yeah, we, we got to do Tombstone next time. Just because. <laughs> so many that we're starting to forget yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely pig is a horrible movie but a great episode yeah i forgot about that i forgot about that one, I'm gonna that one. <laughs> uh, oh shit all right well thank you everyone for listening thank you anthony uh this has been head cannon <laughs> <laughs>